the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week we're looking at the lifting of air travel restrictions on Monday and the impact it has had on Irish aviation and the hospitality sector. So how are the new rules working? When will transatlantic travel begin again in earnest? And what rules will apply when indoor dining resumes on July 26th? These and other questions are answered by Ona Mara Walsh, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Industry Confederation, and Barry Halloran of the Irish Times. Before that, you might have noticed that Inside Business has a new sponsor in the shape of leading professional services firm EY Ireland. I'd like to welcome them aboard. Now, back to the resumption of air travel, and I began by asking Barry Halloran to recap how the rules changed on Monday and what it has meant in terms of passenger numbers in and out of Irish airports. Hi, Kieran. Well, as everybody knows at this stage, there was a, well, a significant loosening of restrictions on Monday uh, that mostly related to Europe and the EU market. Now, the, the figures from Eurocontrol, which is the overall air navigation body for Europe, show that there were 393 flights uh, in and out of the Republic on Monday that was a 25% improvement on the previous week, well, July the 11th to be precise, uh, when there were 313 flights, which left us uh, lingering behind Montenegro, actually. So there, there was an obvious, an obvious and, and widely expected step up. Aer Lingus was responsible for around 66 of those flights, while Ryanair managed 176. Interestingly, Aer Lingus told me that uh, on the same day in 2019, they would have had 346 flights. I'm not entirely sure about precise passenger numbers, but they were probably higher than 20,000 on Monday and are expected to be kind of around that, I think, for the rest of the week. And that would have been uh, considerably more than the sort of 14 or 15,000 that airports might have seen uh, over previous weeks, particularly since the beginning of July. So that is a fairly marked step up on activity, but we are still very, very far behind the rest of Europe. On the basis of a sort of 393 flights on Monday, that is around 40% of the 955 that we would have seen on the comparable day in 2019. So we're we're still basically two thirds behind, or the guts are two thirds behind, whereas Europe is now at around sort of sixty two, sixty three percent of pre COVID traffic. There were twenty million seats available on aircraft between Western, Eastern, and Central Europe on Monday, which was I think around thirty three, thirty four percent less than the same period in twenty nineteen. So. There's still a big gap for everybody to bridge, but our gap is uh, far larger than everyone else's. Yeah, and I guess we have to start somewhere. Um, and just in terms of going forward, Barry, for the rest of the summer, are the airlines planning to add more flights? Are we going to see more people traveling through our airports as the, the days and, and weeks uh, click on? Hopefully we will. The position with the airlines at the moment is that they are very, very cautious about this market. But uh, Ryanair has been adding flights to Shannon in particular, where it is now offering about, I think, 18 or 19 flights. Um, 
Aer Lingus has been very, very critical of ongoing restrictions that affect both the UK and US. But they certainly haven't said, yes, we are going to add more flights. But I think that for now, airlines are adopting a very much wait and see approach to this. Barry, there seems to be some confusion around um, children and the rules uh, around children travelling with vaccinated parents. Um, Can you shed any light as to precisely where we're at with that? Um, And do they vary between, let's say, EU countries and the likes of the UK and the US? Yeah, they vary between EU countries and the likes of the UK and the US. The basic rules are that 11 to 18-year-olds require PCR tests or self-isolation if they're returning into this country with their vaccinated parents, whereas EU children are travelling with vaccinated parents are treated exactly the same as their parents. In other words, they're not subject to any restrictions. So yeah, there is a, there's still a deal of, of confusion and there's still a, a quite a lot of different rules and different restrictions that have to be negotiated. I mean, if anyone is, is, is planning on flying in the next few weeks, it's a good idea to maybe check in on the government, the, the various government websites. And there are quite a few that, that deal with these issues right now. And uh, you actually have to do a fair bit of sifting to work out precisely what applies where. But in broad terms, the EU should be open. Everybody gets a, a digital cert, um, whether they're vaccinated or whether they have a negative test or whether they are immune. The ongoing restrictions that apply elsewhere apply to the US and the UK. And then at the back of all of that, there are still hotel quarantines for people arriving from some countries. Unamara Walsh, Monday uh, must have been a good day for your members after such a hard slog over the past 16 months. Yeah, finally, we have some sort of positive news to, to hang on to. I mean, international travel and tourism effectively had ceased uh, for for the guts of 16 months. And, and finally, the, the non-essential travel ban was lifted, uh, as Barry said, on the 19th of July. So international um, leisure uh, travel and tourism is allowed again. So it's great for the airlines. It's great for the airport. And it should be good for the Irish uh, tourism industry here on the ground. Um, although numbers will be modest initially, but hopefully as consumer confidence returns and um, COVID infection rates remain stable, we'll start seeing inbound uh, tourists into the country again. And that's critical for the industry I'm involved in because about 75% of our um, annual income or revenue is determined by international tourists. So there's a lot of talk about the domestic market and we're all enjoying the great weather, which is fantastic. But it's for a few very short weeks. And on September 1st, when the schools go back, the domestic market, unfortunately, uh, falls off a cliff. So we desperately need to get the international tourists going again. And the first step in in relation to that was was getting the non-essential travel ban uh, lifted, which uh, happened obviously on Monday, which was about three weeks or so after the rest of Europe. But at least now um, the digital uh, COVID cert is in existence, it's being used, and airlines can start uh, flying again. Owen, is this the right time to be opening up our borders, given that the Delta variant is uh, circulating so widely and we know it's it's more transmissible um, than earlier versions of the virus and even people who are double vaccinated? Uh, we're hearing plenty of reports of well-known people who've been double vaccinated, like Sajid Javid, who you know have contracted COVID, um, presumably as a result of the Delta variant. 
Well, I, I suppose, uh, you know, public health comes first and foremost. And, and you know, the aviation industry can't just, uh, you know, um, decide what it wants to do. It has to follow public health guidelines. And the public health guidelines across Europe are, are, are the digital COVID cert and, and, and um, uh, predominantly the vaccine or, as Barry said, uh, proof of prior infection, which effectively gives you immunity or else uh, the negative PCR test. So all that acts as a bulwark uh, against the spread of COVID or that's that's what we, we hope and that's what we've been led to believe. And you're right, the double vaccination doesn't seem to give 100% um, inoculation against the virus, but what it does seem to do is give 100% or near 100% um, um, prevention against a serious illness or hospitalization or, or God forbid a death. So I think that's that's something that we all we all have to sort of accept. And, and you know the aviation and tourism industry, n- n- no more than other industries, will obviously operate by whatever the strictest uh, and best public health guidelines are. And that's what we're doing at the moment. But you know we 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 can't mothball an industry like aviation uh, for for forever. You know as each week and as each month goes by, that aircraft are, are parked on 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 the tarmac, it's costing millions of euro uh, to airlines. You've seen airlines across Europe uh, bailed out. Um, IAG and Ryanair equally are under intense pressure to actually uh, get airlines in the sky, but obviously in a safe and sustainable way. And I think we have that formula now. And obviously we'll be monitoring it and, and keeping a very close eye on on, on, on um, infection rates. Um, but I suppose infection rates maybe aren't the metric that they were 12 months ago. It's now more about hospitalisation rates and uh, ICU rates. Yeah. Give us some numbers, on about the hit to the broad tourism hospitality sector over the past um, 16 months. In Ireland, for example, I mean, how many people um, have been laid off either temporarily or permanently? How many businesses have closed? Yeah, well, it's been absolutely um, harrowing and, and, and it's been a hammering impact. We, we reckon, the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation reckoned that um, the revenue is down about 90%. And remember, this was a 9 billion euro industry uh, pre-pandemic. So revenue down uh, 90% and about 160,000 job losses. So, you know, tourism, if you like, is the very definition of the free and unfettered movement of people. And obviously COVID has been a nuclear bomb in the middle of that. So our industry has been disproportionately I- impacted uh, by COVID. Um, there's been lots and lots of job losses, lots and lots of, of business failures. Um, thankfully, the government came in with a, a range of supports which helped keep businesses to a certain extent um, um, alive, but nothing will replace uh, demand. So so what's critical, I think, now this summer and equally into autumn and into next year is that government supports um, 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 are, are, are kept in place, uh, may, may be gra- gradually reduced, but crucially we stimulate demand and make sure that um, hotels, airlines, uh, B&Bs, restaurants, vintners, attractions, all the various businesses uh, within the sector actually see people coming through their doors and, and hear the tills uh, chang again. There's 20,000 businesses in the tourism and hospitality sector in Ireland. It is, certainly pre-pandemic days, it was Ireland's largest indigenous industry. And, and crucially, it's the biggest regional employer we have. And that's very evident now. If you look along uh, swathes of the, of the wild Atlantic way, there's very little other industry or economic activity, but for tourism, and that's great at the moment that it's 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 dubs over in in in, in Mayo or, or or whatever. Um, but as I say, on September first, when the schools go back, that domestic market goes, and we have to ensure that the international tourist is back in the country. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms. Our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. 
we deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Now, it hasn't all been smooth sailing or smooth flying for um, some Irish travellers heading abroad this week because we've heard reports from Malta of a number of Irish people arriving into Malta and it seems they didn't have the right um, paperwork or, or the right certificate um, to, to get through and, and enjoy their holiday. They're faced with a situation where they either have to go into hotel quarantine or they leave the country or they somehow find the proper paperwork. Uh, what's happened there, Owen? Well, that's that's more outbound travel as opposed to inbound tourism, which I suppose is my my my, um, my area of expertise. But um, as as far as I understand, Malta had a slightly um, and Barry might have some info on this had a slightly different uh, rule on on the digital COVID search, where whereby they wanted to see a digital version of it, whereas some Irish passengers arrived uh, with with the with the paper format, uh, which effectively is the same document but presented in a different form. And as a result, the um, the immigration officers in 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 Valletta uh, effectively said sorry you you guys aren't going beyond um the uh, the the mandatory hotel quarantine and as i understand it at the moment um you know the 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 foreign affairs department and the irish embassy and so on is 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 trying to work might and main to to make sure that those irish travelers who after all have the correct paperwork but just in the wrong form are allowed um you know leave the leave the the hotel and enjoy their holiday and and come back safely but it, it it just shows, I think, wh- how fraught and how difficult and how tricky international travel and tourism is when you have a global uh, pandemic and you have different public health guidelines uh, in different countries. So B- Barry said it at the outset, I think if anybody, if any Irish person is traveling abroad, they have to very carefully check what um what the criteria is in the country that they're going to so for example i'm sure the maltese government would say that they clearly stated on their websites and in their um um destination material that uh, the digital covid cert had to be presented in a specific form but obviously um s- some irish travelers fell foul of that barry just on that point i mean it's a bit of a blow to this whole eu system isn't it when um something like that uh, occurs in malta Yes, Kiran, it is. But look, it, it's worth pointing out that um, it's actually quite easy to download this uh, this digital cert. For instance, uh, I think I'm, I'm well known for being technically incompetent and uh, I received mine at the weekend. I've downloaded it into uh, two mobile phones. Uh, it goes into your iPhone wallet and uh, it will also, if you have the, the uh, COVID tracker app, it can easily be downloaded into that. So once again, the the trick is check for this. I would say to anyone traveling, and I intend doing this myself, um, download it digitally and print it off and maybe print off two or three copies uh, as well, just as a backup. But it can be downloaded digitally onto pretty much any mobile device you have. And I would do that ahead of traveling and uh, bring it with me. They, um, from from what I've seen, and I, I, I just did a very quick kind of glance around some of this ahead of the the, the, the podcast this morning, and it does seem to me that um, most EU countries are looking for it in a digital format. Uh, so I would say get it into a digital format as a matter of priority if you're traveling. Oh, and one market that's effectively closed off to us at the minute is the United States, and that's a key market for uh, tourism here in Ireland, isn't it? 
Um, there are very few transatlantic flights uh, at the moment and um, no Irish people are allowed to go into the US unless they're American citizens or they have a green card. So um, there are, you know, there has been chatter that uh, the Biden administration might loosen those rules. Um, how soon do you think that might come back? And what are the chances of us getting our transit? We had a pretty good transatlantic network um, pre-pandemic. What are the chances of that coming back uh, in its full form? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a critical point, if you like, because the European markets are great and obviously Britain is our, our, our nearest neighbour and very important. But the, the US market in terms of inbound tourism, they're the big spenders. They're the ones that travel throughout the regions. They spend, I think, on average 10 days in, in the country, stay in the fancy hotels, go out for the nice meals, spend, spend quite a lot of money in the shops. Um, um, U.S. visitors obviously are allowed into Ireland, uh, which is great, but but that that Biden ban is still in place for Irish or European visitors going to the states. So that poses airlines a, a massive problem because they they obviously need to fill the aircraft. Uh, but both ways, um, there is talk of of the Biden administration uh, uh, relaxing um, that uh, restriction and allowing vaccinated um, um, travellers from from Ireland and Europe into the states, and that needs to happen sooner rather than later because. Ireland and and Aer Lingus in particular had done wonderful work uh, pre pandemic to 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 get the transatlantic uh, uh, traffic uh, to a certain level. I think there was twenty five different gateways across North America which were which were served by Aer Lingus air, aircraft. Uh, Dublin was was a hub, and IAG very very cleverly, if you like, they were marketing Europe in the states, albeit with a stopover in Dublin, and that was brilliant, obviously, for Irish tourism because it meant that there was a lot of direct routes into Ireland and 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 you, you know Kieran that you know from 2015 to 2019 or or in and around that uh, Irish tourism was roaring ahead and a lot of that was driven by the fact that you had um, new routes open uh, in the states uh, directly in into Ireland and Aer Lingus served them because it it obviously uh, helped the whole IAG um if you like business model so we have to try and get back to that but it's going to be a long and an arduous uh, road back to it so so there's going to be have to, have to be a huge Ireland Inc. effort, a huge government effort. This is not just an airline or not just a tourism industry who has to try and restore it, but there has to be um, support from from a, a much broader um, um, element of, of of sort of ec- economic contributors. And I I do think we will need a, a multi million euro uh, aviation package uh, very soon, um, multi annual as well, and to incentivize airlines to come back to Ireland. Um, because the the you know as an island nation we're we're hugely dependent on air and and obviously to a lesser extent on sea and and you know I speak from a tourism perspective which is always my my focus but it's equally important for FDI for exports um for for all sorts of, of other industries that we have a very strong global connectivity and we did have and I mean a, a few years ago or a couple of years ago pre pandemic anyway uh, Leo Varadkar was Taoiseach and he he's he he's, he committed to doubling our Ireland's global footprint by 2025, and he, and he said that Ireland wasn't uh, an, an island on the edge of Europe, but was it's instead an island at the centre of the world. But obviously, all that is predicated on connectivity, and we've lost that in spades over the last eighteen months. And a huge effort is going to be needed to to restore it. Yeah, Barry, I saw Dalton Phillips, the chief executive of um, DAA, which operates Dublin and Cork airports, uh, quoted during the week, saying that um, there's going to be real competition now from Manchester for. Um, for routes, I guess transatlantic routes uh, in particular, and we know that Aer Lingus uh, is basing a couple of aircraft in Manchester uh, going forward um, for routes uh, across the Atlantic. So, 
Uh, it's going to be a battle for Dublin, isn't it, to regain that transatlantic connectivity? Uh, yes, Kieran, it is. And you, you've got to remember that that transatlantic connectivity didn't, um, you know, it didn't materialise overnight. Uh, the, the point that uh, Owen has just made there in relation to the network that IAG built up, that took five years, that took four or five years to build up and they were coming from a pretty strong base. A lot of that is gone. There is, There are still transatlantic flights, but a lot of that is gone. It's going to be very difficult to uh, reinstate that. And you, you've got to remember, um, Aer Lingus has been losing a million a day. Its parent has been looking slightly askance at the, the tough restrictions over here. And they may be very, very cautious uh, about making big commitments in the uh, the initial months and years after this thing has finally receded, which, you know, I'm pretty certain it will. And I think you could see question marks over the newer routes that maybe hadn't quite established themselves. And I, I'm thinking of destinations maybe on the West Coast, including Seattle, which would be very important from uh, an inward investment point of view, but equally would still be important to the tourism industry, I would have thought. So I think, yeah, there is a big battle. And I think that that battle could be won or lost maybe in areas like uh, airport charges and incentives. Now, the government has provided 23 million of a 26 million compensation package, which is aimed at at funding some of that. But whether or not that is enough remains to be seen. And I think maybe a, a an overall program for all Irish airports uh, that ties incentives to restoration of traffic, uh, something that we've already discussed on this podcast in a, a couple of weeks ago. I think a program like that might be a sensible move, but I think that you want to get moving on it now. Yeah, Onamara Walsh, that, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people in the aviation and tourism sectors over the last uh, few months, and there's a real sense within those sectors that the government just hasn't been doing enough uh, in terms of restoring air travel, and there hasn't been enough engagement, and particularly around uh, Eamon Ryan, the Green Party leader and the Minister for Transport. What's your view? Well, I, I'm kind of thankful to a certain extent that the we're, we're, we're part of the EU and the and you know we 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 have been if you like um, pulled into the digital COVID cert, but I, because I think if if it was left to the Irish government, um, I think it would have been slower again. I mean, there was a fear um, amongst the tourism and aviation industry that we wouldn't see international travel resume until uh, September. Um, you know, we know how cautious and conservative. Uh, the public health uh, advice has been here and how um, willing the government has been to go along with it. So to a certain extent, you know, it's welcome that um, the digital COVID search came into being and, and if you like, Ireland was uh, had to, if you like, go, go along with it. Um, because I, I don't think the government here, um, I, I, you know, individual ministers or the government, the collective government have, have, have taken the whole aviation challenge as seriously as, as, as needs be. And, and, you know, the economy has been, um, um, supported, if you like, by, by freight and exports and all that sort of stuff, which, which is good. But, but, you know, as an island nation, we do need to get the movement of people going again. And as I'm repeating myself here, but, you know, from a tourism perspective, that's critical, but also from a foreign direct investment or, 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 you know, any, any, any of those big sort of multinationals, uh, you need to get people uh, moving um, from, from A to B uh, seamlessly. Otherwise they'll relocate elsewhere. That's the, that's the reality of it. And, 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 you know, aircraft, aircraft are no different insofar 
Aris aircraft is, the, is, 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 is a mobile asset. So we've already seen, I think it's four Aer Lingus aircraft relocated to Manchester and will be flying uh, transatlantic. And uh, Barry mentioned it before, there, there's huge um, competition, or sorry, you mentioned Dalton Phillips, there's huge competition to Dublin in terms of hub status. And that could be anywhere from Manchester to, to Reykjavik. You know, and, and, and there's a whole variety of, if you like, rivals to Dublin who are very keen to eat our lunch um, and I know Dublin Airport and DAA will do all that they can. I know that the airlines have have a have a have a if you like a, a strong commitment to Dublin, but ultimately the you know the bottom line is what what counts, and that's where I think the 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 multi million euro aviation rescue package needs to be uh, put in place and needs to be put in place straight away. And and the government did set up an aviation task force last year, and that was one of the strong recommendations, and that included everyone from Ryanair to Aer Lingus to the to the state airports, and 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 the view was very similar. That that you know this is a really competitive world that we're in, um, and if 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 Ireland wants to compete, then you know because of the um, devastating impact of the last eighteen months, we will need huge support uh, from government and from the exchequer to to if you like stabilise um, um, the aviation uh, world once again. Before I let you go, uh, Owen and Barry, I'd just like to ask you, uh, where, are you where are you planning to go on your first overseas trip? Well, Kirana, I was in Italy last September. So uh, I'm hoping to go back there. There's still some stuff I want to see. It was my first time there. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of fond of Spain, so I'm, I'm, I'm slightly leaning that way as well. But it's, it's more than likely going to be Italy, I would say. Owen? We were looking at, at France uh, the last night, probably for kind of September, October. The South of France may be flying into Nice um, all going well. All right. Well, fingers uh, crossed on that. Owen O'Mara Walsh and Barry Halloran, thank you for joining Inside Business. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Onamara Walsh and Barry O'Halloran. Thanks also to our new sponsor, EY Ireland, for its support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. <laughs>